this is an interesting day for us as a church. This is a fantastic opportunity for us as individuals as well as a community to rethink and to reflect of what does it mean to be following Jesus. And also to affirm one another that we are together in the journey of faith. Last week we spoke about, well, we've been doing a series on worship. And last week we spoke about the idea of sometimes it's important that we have a glimpse of the greatness of God. And, a result, and as a result of that glimpse, we respond in worship. This morning I'm going to deal with a very difficult passage, which does not only give a glimpse of the greatness of God, but it gives much more than a glimpse. It gives the reality of His presence. We're going to be uh, looking at Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, I don't want to put anybody on the spot here, but could anyone, or would anyone, be willing to read Isaiah chapter 6? Um, this is one of the bits that I'm talking about, but uh, I'd like for us to um, read until the response of Isaiah, uh, which is uh, verses 5 and 6 after this. So, would anyone like to read? Oh. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Father God, we thank you for your words. We want to see that word that never comes into you, Lord, to be active in our midst this morning. Lord, take this word and plant seeds in our lives for the sake of your glory. Because you are holy and you deserve all the glory. So take my meditations, thoughts, my thoughts, and I bring them before you and ask that if there is anything that you don't want me to say, tie my tongue, Lord. But if there is something, Lord, that you want us as a congregation to have revealed through your word today, well, here I am, Lord, your servant. So, Holy Spirit, soften our hearts 
and continue that good work in us. By the power of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go to Isaiah. And he says that in the year of King Isaiah, or when he died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. So he's got a clear vision of God. I spoke last, year, last week about the glimpses. And here we've got a clear, very transparent revelation of the majesty of God. And also, he's saying that above, well, the Lord who sitteth on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I get goosebumps when I read this passage. It's very hard. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and with other two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole world is filled of his glory. Isaiah is a prophet, or as a book starts very strangely. Because if you've got other prophets, they'll kind of um, give a little bit more about their life in the beginning of their, their books. Whereas it's very clear that in chapter 1 to 5, Isaiah wants to develop something that is going on. And if you see the situation, and you read by verses 5, 18 to 19, or verses 5, 30, chapter 5, verses 30, uh, verse 30, you'll see that the situation was very gloomy. And to be honest, Isaiah was part of this group as well. And if the situation was so gloomy, he comes to this place of recognizing that perhaps he has become one of them and has really forgotten what God has done. And God has got this fresh revelation of himself for Isaiah. And the first thing that comes to this revelation is what happens in the heavenly realm. And how the angelic beings are manifesting the greatness of God. How these angelic beings are celebrating. How these angelic beings are worshipping God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This morning I'd like to us to look at the transforming opportunity that worship gives to us. The first thing that comes to my mind, and it comes very clearly from this passage, is God's holiness. Could you help me with the next slide, Colin? Sorry. Now we all know what's the, what this place is. It's the planetarium at Bristol. Probably all wrong. Have we, ever, have we all been there? No. I would really highly recommend it. 
I've got a, a yearly subscription at Bristol. I go, I made it quite often. And I think one of my favorite places is the planetarium. I've been there three times, I think. Or two times, three times. And it's this kind of globe that you sit in, and everything is dark. They switch off the lights, and on the ceiling there is this screen of the universe with dotted stars, and then the screen or the projector approaches the different planets, and they go through all this creation. And when I thought of God's holiness, this, this idea of the planetarium came to my mind. Because every time I go to that place, and I've been hit by this great projection of the universe, I've been made feel so small to the vast, to the vast, vast, vast creation of God. And it's very interesting because the, the projection has got the, uh, I mean for you, the being, you know, they go into the galaxy, they talk about different stars and they go to different uh, planets as well and uh, it's, it's very interesting. But I thought perhaps, perhaps the closest earthly experience of God's majesty for me it, it, in kind of physical physical, tangible terms, has been this situation when you sit back and you're just overwhelmed by this huge, vast creation. And I'm not saying that this was the story for Isaiah, but this is something that I can identify with. Because Isaiah sees something much bigger than that. He is encountering God himself who is revealing himself afresh to him. He is revealing himself afresh to him. He is revealing all the angelic beings are talking about the character of God, which is holy, holy, holy. Now, the Hebrew language does not have the scale of the adjectives. So, holy, holy, holy is the equivalent of the superlative in the English language. One of my struggles when I learned English was I couldn't get around the idea that how can we say good, better, best? Good, gooder, goodest. Holy, holy, holy. There is not such a thing as a superlative in Hebrew. There is no other attribute of God. Yes, we know God is love. Yes, we know that God is just. Yes, we know that God is king. But this is the only attribute in the Bible that has come with a superlative note. Holy, holy, holy is God Almighty. And in response to this holiness, Isaiah cannot just stay and carry on because he knows that perhaps in his pursuit of God he has become complacent complacent in his expectations of God he has become complacent 
I chose the picture on purpose. Because if you see the story of Israel where, where uh, Isaiah was prophesying, they kind of lost track of where God was in the picture. They lost track of their basically way of dealing with God, even though God had called them as their special people. If we're talking about worship, and if we're talking about encountering this holy God, of course there should be a reaction. Because perhaps Isaiah is fed up with his own, with his own religion, with his own things of way of pursuing God. Maybe he's, he's fed up that he has not got any more that passion that he can expect that God is going to work with that group of faithless people that he has been calling him to be a prophet to. That God is at work at his family. That God is at work by using him. So probably Isaiah is a bit numb from this complacency. Which is a very good application for us. Are we, have we become complacent in our expectations of God? Let's be honest. Do we expect God to show up every Sunday we gather together as the body of Christ? Do we expect God to show up in our work of place? Place of work, sorry. Do we expect God to show up in our family, in our tough situations? Or have we become happy and complacent with the way that we do things? Do we expect God to show up in our ministries as a church? Or have we become complacent with the fact that we seem to be looking and giving the message that we are a very busy church, the church is open the whole time, and we're happy. When I started learning English, I was 10 years old. And it came to a stage that I got good at it, it came to the stage that God was giving me opportunities for me to interpret and translate the different um, occasions. But also it came a place where actually I didn't bother to get to grips, to get to know more of the language, English language. I was very happy that I was able to translate. I was very happy that I was able to be um, active with my knowledge of English language. And it came to that stage that I've reached this point. I'm very happy. I don't need to know anymore. If we bring that to our spirituality, if we bring that to Isaiah's spirituality, if we bring it to, to our encounter with God, 
asking the question whether we have become complacent or not. I'll ask a more difficult question. How much complacent have we become? In his worship encounter, Isaiah was aware that he was dealing with the Almighty God. And it's very clear here that Isaiah comes across saying that in fact God is not his body. me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. But now my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Do you see how this vision of God is becoming bigger and bigger, but as a result, his heart attitude and his position, his spiritual position, is changing as well, because he has seen the king. And what happens most of the time is that we want to be the king and have God be our servant. Scary. But we do it. And Isaiah said, well, I messed up with that. Now I've seen a fresh revelation of the Almighty and he is my king and I am one of his vessels, one of his servants. Woe to me. Woe to me. And in this transforming worship, there is grace. <coughs> but it has to start with that word to me confession bit. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Perhaps lips were his place of vulnerability. You know what I mean? Vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. I'll not say it again. But You've seen different characters and they've, they've been vulnerable with different things. And here we go Isaiah and he says, I've got unclean lips. And God says, my grace is there for you. If you've got unclean lips, here's my grace. Here's the cold. And I'll clean your lips. <coughs> God's grace is always there. Took a call, a life call in his hand, one serves, which he had taken with thorns from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, 
This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is a time for. And then I heard the voice saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Oh, here I am. Send me. I think he's in a journey here. But all this worshipful response is taking him to this place of recognizing that if until now he has not been using his lips in a clean way to proclaim the greatness of God, he needs cleansing for that. He recognizes that. And he says, Oh, here I am, God. You have touched me. I accept your grace. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your atonement. Here I am. Send me. So do you see how transformational worship can be when we encounter the greatness of God? That you move from that place of being miserable to that place of being available. From that place of being capable to that place of being, here I am, Lord, send me. The last slide has to do with commission. Because my prayer for Cairns is that our worship of the Almighty is transforming in such a way that we are available to be commissioned by the Almighty. In whatever shape or form, in whatever way your week looks like, in whatever involvement you are going to be involved with in the next seven days, in the next months, in the whole year, God wants you and me he wants you and me to be commissioned by his almighty power to be the message of the good news for this neighborhood, for your workplace, for your family, for this city, for this country, and across. And this is one of the reasons why we believe that covenant is so important. Because this is the place where we say, yes God, we want, we want to commit ourselves to that place of recognizing that you are almighty. But also we want to recognize the place that God, you have not left us as orphans or as islands, but you've given us one another. So we can sharpen one another. But by, by doing, by asking the questions about worship, about encounter, about commission. Because this is, this fits very well in God's economy. I'm going to shut up now. Because I'd like to give two or three minutes for some space for us to think about this. And if there is somebody here that would like to share something as a form of response, go for it.
If you want to continue sharing with what Jane um, encouraged us at the beginning of the service, go for it. But I just want to give us some time to respond. Colin, could we have a... I think we're not yet. Great. If you want to use it as a prayer time and you want to pray out loud, go for it. It's a free, open space. And then I will pray.